Welcome to the My World, My Time podcast. In this series, I'm traveling back in time to interview historical figures who have made a positive difference in the world. Have you ever felt that doing what is right involves too much risk? In this episode, we're going to talk with a young woman who reminds us that risk is a vital part of life. This is Episode 5, Andrea de Jong. Today is January 7th, 1943, and we're in Brussels, Belgium, to interview Andrea de Jong, the creator and leader of the Comet Escape Line. Welcome, Andrea, and thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Oh, yes, hello. Now, you are an integral part of the Belgian resistance. Can you tell our listeners how you got started in that? At the beginning of the war, I was training as a nurse, but when Belgium was taken over by the Nazis, I started seeing wounded Allied soldiers in the hospitals. I knew that as soon as they were well enough, they would be transported to a prisoner of war camps for the rest of the war. I was determined to help them back to England so they could continue the fight. So I started gathering others who wanted to help, and I set up an escape route. And that escape route has become known as the Comet Line, is that correct? Yes, it is called that because of how fast we are able to get the men out of occupied territory. Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about how the Comet Line works? We use a number of safe houses along the way, as well as forged documents and fake identities. We have volunteers known as couriers, who will take the men from Brussels and Paris all the way through the occupied France and over the Pyrenees Mountains into neutral Spain. From there, they are sent back to England where they rejoin the army. <laughs> wow. And most of the men are airmen who have been shot down over occupied countries, is that right? Yes, that's right. Whenever there is an air raid, we watch carefully. If we see any parachutes, we get on our bicycles and race to find the man before the Germans do. We quickly help him change his clothes and dispose of the parachute. Then we take him to a safe house while we get the papers and things ready for his escape. Now you are one of the, um, the couriers, is that right? Yes. I was the first one to take groups into Spain. I had to make sure it worked before I involved too many others. <laughs> what was that first trip like? Oh, it was difficult because we were still working out the best way to do things. At one point, we were unable to reach our boat because of a Nazi guard. So, in the middle of the night, I had to push each person across the river on an old rubber tire we found in a nearby barn. I spent a long time in the water, going back and forth. It took quite a long time to warm up again. After that... We always made sure to have a safe location for the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and do you do most of the journey on foot? We try to use the trains in Belgium and France whenever we can. But we also have to use the rivers and do a lot of walking. Going over the Pyrenees Mountains must all be done on foot. So how many trips have you made? Next week, I will be headed out on my 18th trip. Wow. 
18 trips from Brussels all the way to Spain and back is quite a lot. Yes, I have taken nearly 120 people into Spain. My nickname along the comet line is the Postmistress. <laughs> I like to call the airmen Mon Petit Coulis. Oh, my little parcels. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but you're not the only courier for the comet line. Uh, so who are some of the others? Most of the people who work on the comet line are women. A lot of them are in their 20s, like me. It is safer that way. Safer? Oh, yes. It is much easier for us to get away with things. The Germans only see us as mothers and housekeepers. They do not believe that pretty young women are capable of using their brains to do anything else, especially to organize resistance activities. So you're able to use their prejudices against you to your advantage. Yes, we look so terribly harmless, but our young inexperienced look can be a difficulty as well. Most of the airmen we rescue are dismayed to find that their lives are in the hands of a petite young girl who wears flower dresses and ankle socks. They do not believe I am strong enough to help them. So has that been a challenge for you all along? Yes. On my first trip, the British consul in Spain did not believe that I had made the trip. He was certain I was a spy because he could not see how a small girl could do what I had done. It took quite a lot of convincing and a second trip before he was convinced and agreed to help us. What are some of the other challenges you've run into? One of the biggest difficulties has been trying to make the airmen look and behave like Europeans so they will not be noticed and get caught. Oh, what do you mean, behave more European? What's the difference? Well, we have to tell the Americans to not put their hands in their pockets. <laughs> That is a very American thing to do. And the way they walk? The way they walk? They walk differently. Like, they know they are free and can just walk anywhere they please. One time, we had an airman from Texas who was a cowboy. He walked like he was still riding a horse. We had to work with him so he could walk like a European. Americans are definitely the hardest to hide. Are there any others who are also hard to hide? Yes, the Scots, with their bright red hair. <laughs> and of course, most of them don't speak French. So we are in constant fear of them being questioned by the guards or even simply talked to by well-meaning strangers. I hadn't thought about that. What do you do if strangers try to talk to them? <laughs> we tell the men to pretend to be deaf. <laughs> So, I've heard that being part of an escape network is one of the most dangerous forms of resistance work. Do you agree with that? Yes, that is probably correct. There are so many people involved and so many steps we must take. It becomes impossible to check the backgrounds of everyone involved. And it is not uncommon for German soldiers to pretend to be allied airmen so they can get information about us and turn us in. And if you were to get caught, what would happen? Well, because of the rules of war, the servicemen would be sent to prisoner of war camps, but there are no such rules protecting resistance workers. We would most likely be tortured and then executed or sent to a concentration camp. Wait, so you're saying that if you're caught, the escaping servicemen would be protected, 
But anyone helping them would be tortured and executed? They do not care if the bombers are dead or in a camp, as long as they are not helping the Allies. But those who are helping them escape, they will do anything to stop us. Has anyone involved with the Comet Line been arrested? Yes, yes, of course. I warn new recruits that they should expect to be dead or captured within six months. Six months? Why do you do it if it's so dangerous? Because it has to be done. But still, it's a huge risk. Everything we do involves risk. In fact, I would say that the things which require the most risk are the things which are the most worthwhile. Yes, absolutely. But some things are certainly riskier than others. We are risking our lives every time we step outside our homes. Any number of accidents could happen to me on my way to the market each day. But we do not stay in bed and too afraid to do anything. Why is this any different? If we put our lives at risk simply by living, then why not make our risks count for something more? I want my life to mean more than a trip to the market. Still, it's no small thing to risk your life for someone else's. That is what being part of the human race means, to take risks for one another. The Allied servicemen take risks to protect my freedom, and I take risks to protect theirs. And what if you do get caught? What do you hope for then? At that point, I hope that I am able to be strong enough to take the blame so I can protect the others. And... I hope the Comet Line will be able to continue with or without me. And what about after the war? What would you like to do next? If I make it through the war, I would like to finish my nurse's training and continue to help people. Ever since I was young, I have wanted to work as a nurse in the leper colonies in Africa. If I survive the war, I would like to do that. (laughs) Taking more risks? There are millions of people on this earth who are suffering. Is it not worth a little risk on our part to help them? Andrea, our time is up. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. You and your fellow volunteers are doing a great work with the Comet Line, and we wish you all the best. Merci beaucoup. I have enjoyed talking with you. The following week, on January 15, 1943, Andrea and the three airmen she was helping to escape were betrayed and captured just as they were about to cross over the Pyrenees Mountains into freedom. Although Andrea confessed to being the leader of the Comet Line, her life was spared because the Nazis did not believe that such a young, small woman was capable of doing what she had done. Andrea spent the rest of the war in a concentration camp. By the time she was released, she was barely alive. But as soon as she recovered, Andrea finished her nurse training and fulfilled her lifelong dream of moving to Africa to be a nurse in the many leper colonies there. Did her life involve risk? Absolutely. But for Andrea, the risks associated with helping others are always worth taking. Thank you for listening to episode 5 of the My World My Time podcast. There are many more inspiring stories to come, so make sure you don't miss them by subscribing to our podcast today. For more information on My World My Time and how you can make a difference, go to www.myworldmytime.org. Here you can sign up to receive all of our blog posts, updates on my upcoming book, speaking engagements, and more. 
This is My World, My Time, reminding you to do something big or do something small, but do something to make a difference today.